And it's past two o'clock. You're listening to the One Two Three Show. In this week's Tuesday report, Andrew Dembina interviews Antonio Oviedo, who's the executive chef of Spanish restaurant and bar Twenty Two Ships, on real Spanish cuisine, including the dishes and ingredients of some lesser-known parts of the country. Plus, a word on his arrival and also remodeling of this establishment during the pandemic. I'm Antonio Oviedo. I'm the executive chef in Twenty Two Ships. Uh, under Jaya Group. I'm from Madrid. I've been working in Asia for the last almost like eight years. I started in Jaya Group uh, in May of this year to develop this new concept under 22 Sips. We're trying to do it more traditional and more uh, to bring here all the bites from uh, from the bars that you can find in Madrid or overseas where the bar and bodega scene is super tough and is uh, strong. Products from Spain and uh, the movie multi-regional richness of, uh, of the culinary. We're trying to be authentic. I think you have a lack of authenticity in some restaurant here, not only in the Spanish one. Finally, the chef or, or the restaurant, uh, the owners, they try to fit to the local palate, and this is super cool. Mm. But in the same time, you need to still real and authentic. Otherwise, I think you miss your concept. And since you've been here for a few months, what have you noticed goes down really well with the Hong Kong palace that people are enjoying most here? Well, in Hong Kong, for sure. Well, seafood and Saglin Peak. I think is uh, when you put emphasis on the products, the Hong Kong um, community, the palate is well trained for them. They, yeah. they have a lot of uh, yeah. knowledge in food. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Have you noticed anything different, though? I mean, some chefs, particularly in French restaurants, say that they deliberately reduce the salt content for the local palate. Are you making some modifications as you go along? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was one of my mistakes when I arrived in Singapore eight years ago. So basically, we don't use salt. I mean, we use a really good quality salt, and uh, sea salt and fine salt yeah. from France or from Spain, depend. But we don't order much because, for example, our buyers just a reuse of the stock mm. from the from the lobster heads, roasted ones, so you have even more umami for the seafood one, yeah. and we don't put any salt there. And still sometimes we get some complaints, so yeah, this is the main thing that we adjust, Italian, French, and Spanish chefs, we adjust the, the saltiness. But as well, we use a seafood base for the rice, and it's made with some uh, kind of sweet peppers, dried peppers, some uh, almond, roasted almonds, roasted uh, tomatoes, uh, yeah. and the dried peppers, so yeah. that helps you as well to get some balance on it. Now, you actually brought along a sous chef that you worked with before. You got in touch with him. He was working in Switzerland. Yeah, he was working in Switzerland in the middle of the second wave. Actually, it was uh, super difficult to bring him here. So Nico, Nico Jalon is, is our sous chef and uh, of course is a very important part of our team because it's difficult to, to find uh, commit people. So you mentioned that there are some distinct differences with your cuisine that you've noticed from other Spanish restaurants in Hong Kong. How would you say your dishes or your overall concept is different from what people may have experienced in other Spanish restaurants, tapas or otherwise, in Hong Kong? Of course, we are a restaurant. Uh, I think you can have a proper dinner here, more than a proper dinner. But we are a bar, and this is uh, the different with the other places. I mean, we are a really vibrant uh, place. Actually, uh, this is uh, the reality in, uh, in Spain. When you go to a tapas bar, you jump from one bar to another. Yeah. I think this vibe is the, mainly the different to other restaurants because 
places like Rambla or, or mm. other places that are doing very well, but uh, they are more formal uh, in yeah. a way. And I think, yeah, this is the main thing. In terms of food, I yeah. think we, we try to do this concept of emphasis on the aperitif, vermouth time, we call it, la hora del vermouth, mm. which is something that you find in the bars before the lunch or your dinner. I'm not sure if you can find this in other restaurants. So we have a lot of uh, vermouth, sherries, and a lot of uh, homemade sodas and uh, snacks that goes very well with these uh, drinks. And then we have the tapas concept, plus the mains and platos concept that is more yeah. like asador. Mm-hmm. Like something that you can find in a casa de comidas, we call it, yeah. are like eateries, like casual eateries. Premium ingredients, right, for this main course, these platos. But we, we serve the whole chunk of meat or the whole fish yeah. that as well represent very well the sharing uh, concept uh, in the Spanish uh, restaurant. You have a chalkboard that we're sitting next to right now. Um, where the dishes are changing frequently, almost daily? Yeah, almost. I mean, we have a core a core menu, and we've been open only for four months, and in, with the third wave in the middle. So, I mean, we, we're still running our, our first menu, right? But, um, yeah, every day we change a couple of three tapas. The, the staff get crazy with me because sometimes I, I change it 20 minutes before because I was doing prep, and then I put it all together, and then we come out with a dish. Yeah. We just try it all together and do a, a small training, and then we just put it in the menu. Yeah. I think they get upset in the beginning, but now is the way we work and uh, this represents a, a lot of our identity like uh, to be open to yeah i mean we are super alive our our cuisine is super open to do new things but it's, it's certainly good for the diner probably good for your kitchen staff too to be learning new things yeah, yeah. and we can hear the uh, preparation going on behind us as we speak and a lot of preparation goes into it doesn't it because you're open for dinner service you're not open at lunchtime we're sitting here late morning and preparation has begun already. How many hours are you preparing until your customers arrive? Around, uh, from, depending how busy we are or how crazy it goes with the specials. But uh, I think it's between six to eight hours. Yeah, so, wow. Yeah, uh, on preparation only. And yeah. after we have the service. We need to be organized as well because space is very small. We need to be organized on the preps timing because sometimes you need to bake the, the chickens and uh, do the cheesecakes and yeah. uh, do many things in the same time. I remember all my family memories are uh, around the, the kitchen table, I mean, the dining table. Mm. And I I remember as well to help my mama from the early, I don't know, I was a small kid when I was peeling garlic, and, you know, we use garlic for everything, right? Yeah. And doing this kind of, uh, of jobs, right? And then, uh, yeah, my, my grandmother from, uh, from Burgos, from the north of Spain, was a, a great chef. She taught my mama how to cook as well. My mama came from the, from the south, right? Yeah. This is from where my mom is an amazing, uh, amazing chef as well. And I think all my passion and the, the, the concept that we have here with the multi-regional tapas came from that, from how my mama fusioned all the south uh, dishes and the more humble dishes with all the north cuisine. That I think my, my grandmother was, uh, was uh, teaching her, and now it's the season for, for queens. We do our own queen space. Yeah. And I was thinking of my grandmother, how she used to move the hot, the big pot, uh, turn for hours, you know. There is a huge uh, 
sentimental component in our food. I don't know what I what I saw and what I learned because it's not only from my family that mostly yes from my mama, my grandmother, but as well as well from the chef that I work with. Of course. That are from different regions of Spain. What are your influences in your cooking from the Canaries? A lesser known region definitely for the Hong Kong diner. Mm -hmm. Well, I, will, I, was, um, I was living there for almost two years, and then I was working there as well. I think it was part of my journey, uh, that, uh, that is, I mean, we, I'm still in this journey and I'm learning every day, right? But this, uh, my experience there changed a lot my cuisine because they have a lot of influence from South America, and they are very closer to Africa yeah, than, right. than, than Spain. So, yeah. so, yeah, I mean, we're trying to, to replicate the black potatoes that they have over there. It's a volcanic island, right? So they mm. have uh, many types of potatoes. You cannot even bring from out of a uh, Canary Island because they are endemic and they, they, they cannot sell it out of, uh, of the island. But uh, really? we're trying to replicate here using some squidding and using a really baby, um, nice baby potato. Mm. And uh, yeah, trying to, to, to do it in the same way, cooking in the salt water and then serve it with mojo verde and mojo, yeah. mojo picon. It's part of our philosophy, trying to bring this... this From these different corners of Spain. Yeah, sometimes yeah. we mix in the same dish, uh, different regions, yeah. but sometimes we just go truly like, a, I mean, regional, yeah. and then we do a canary... Elements. Yeah, yeah. canary dish. Right, there might, there might be something else that uh, surprises uh, some, some diners. Yeah. You use a cold almond oh. soup as part of one of your dishes uh -huh. uh, with muscat grapes. My wife is from the south of Spain from Malaga and then uh, as I say I'm still in my journey to learn more and I love uh, ajo blanco ajo blanco yeah. is a traditional uh, the almond soup yeah. yeah means like a white garlic basically it's a marcona almond soup and these almonds they uh, were brought for the Phoenicians and the Arab people long time ago mm. well the, the Phoenician they, they brought to to Malaga they brought the the Moscatel grapes yeah. Moscatel de Alejandria we call it grape for wines in Malaga so we, we try Trying to do a dish that represents Malaga very well with the grilled uh, sardines, uh, grilled um, over the coal, and then the ajo blanco soup plus the moscato grapes. During the time that you've opened, we can't really not mention that the pandemic has meant that you had to change your operations shortly after you opened. We were very confused because we, we started to, to do it very well, and then suddenly the third wave just came back, right? So, what? Well, in two days, we remove all the stools and all the things from the bar and the restaurant, and then we start to fill up with, with boxes. We come up with a lot of uh, different sets uh, to please our clients. The regulars, they are still uh, calling us to, to have the same tapas and as well we had a, a la carte menu. This was all for takeaway? Yeah, all these uh, games in I think three to four days we yeah. come out with all that. We come out as well with some uh, barbecue, Spanish barbecue just to grill at home as yeah. well with the, the oh, most yeah. premium product. That's but I think idea. the highlight was the cheesecake. Oh. Our sous chef was uh, he, uh, he uh, hated uh, the cheesecake because he did that a lot like crazy. Sometimes we, we arrive here in the morning like 9am and then we start to do cheesecake until we left the was really crazy, but it was something that as well helped us to survive because we were in the opening time. Will you learn anything from this experience of during COVID that you were just um, faced with? You didn't have any choice. You had to get on with it. I think the the COVID is changing the uh, the FMB over the world. I think more and more the restaurant become more casual, and uh, even the fine dining restaurant they they. They push themselves to 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 sweet this uh, this moment, right? This tough moment. So I think yeah. it's it's helping to to the 
F&B community to do it even more approachable food for for so you are doing food for everyone. I think that uh, you need to be more humble. Uh, sometimes we the chef has a lot of ego, and finally you are sending your takeaway dishes to someone. You start to think and the, the way that uh, I mean you need to be prepared because uh, who knows uh, it's coming soon. Yeah, unrelated. Before COVID struck. What global food and drinks trends globally do you really like, and which ones do you really not like? I really like all what is related with the sustainability and as well with the producer to table uh, concept. So yeah. I really believe in, the, in when you support the, the producer and the, we are focused on the ingredients, but not only in the most expensive ingredients as well in the most humble ones. Mm. Try to be sustainable and um, be aware of the local products that you have around that sometimes. Uh, uh, for me, it's not sense to bring a, a product from Spain when I can get the same or similar really good turbot from my local supplier. What I don't like uh, is uh, nowadays all the people call itself like fine dining mm. and I have a fine dining uh, background yeah. and I have to say that I find there's too much fine dining. There are some really good restaurants and um, I'm glad to go time to time to to try it and uh, enjoy it but uh, what I really like nowadays is concept like ours that you can uh, repeat day after day. So in normal times in Hong Kong, where do you like to go to eat? What kind of food do you enjoy? You've got to keep a, an eye, as you say, you come from a fine dining background, so no doubt you have to keep a little bit of an eye on that. But what do you really enjoy personally? I really enjoy the local restaurants and, uh, well, here the, the Japanese uh, community and uh, restaurant, I mean, it's amazing, uh, as in Singapore. If I need to choose, I think uh, Japanese restaurant and local restaurant are my, my favorite. I really love the pigeon here. Ah, roast my pigeon. God, the roast pigeon yeah. and the smoked ones. I yeah. really like, and as well, I love the chicken in Hong Kong. I tried many different chicken. The three yellow chicken in Hong Kong is oh, yeah. one of the best chicken yeah. I have tried in my life. Okay, thanks very much for your insights there, Chef Antonio. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much. And that was Antonio Oviado, of, uh, the executive chef of Spanish restaurant 22 Ships. And he was talking to the 123 Show Tuesday food and drink reporter, Andrew Dambina. Many thanks uh, for your feature, Andrew. It's kind of making me hungry.